Welcome in once again to the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com. I'm joined as I am twice weekly in football season by BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer. Good to be here. We're previewing uh, the Alabama-Miami game, which of course is coming up on Saturday this evening. We're also going to be taking a look at that official Alabama depth chart, Travis, which I know is uh, anticipated with bated breath on an annual basis. Nick Saban likes to chide the media a little bit when it, when it, when he gives it to him, he, he kind of, he doesn't so much hand it to him as he kind of flicks it at him. You know, he just, <laughs> <laughs> he makes it into a paper airplane. Yeah. He just tosses it <laughs> at the boys and girls. No, it's uh it is, for some folks, the equivalent of Christmas. It's another great indicator that a college football season is upon us. And luckily for the media, jolly old St. Nick didn't leave a lump of coal in their stockings where the depth chart is concerned. No doubt about it. The Talking Tide podcast, by the way, available to you at youtube.com you can click that subscribe button now we've already got a handful of subscribers for our newly born youtube channel here on the talking tide podcast so be sure to check us out on youtube click that subscribe button and as well of course you can get the audio version of the talking tide podcast all sorts of ways whatever particular app or platform you like to get podcasting from you can pretty much find us there. Just follow our Twitter feed at talking underscore tide. And from there, you can uh, get a, a what they call a smart link, Travis, to uh, whatever app you might choose to listen to it. And uh, it'd be right there for you. So uh, looking forward to the season, as always. Got a couple episodes already in the books, kind of looking at fall camp. But again, tonight, uh, we'll be looking at that depth chart and a look, of course, at the Miami Hurricanes as well. Uh, not a ton of surprises, I don't think, Travis, on on this particular release. I think even though uh, media access to fall camp was probably more limited than ever or at least as limited as it was in 2020 with the COVID year, uh, certainly or nearly so anyway, um, I think the what was expected pretty much came out uh, at the quarterback position. Of course, Bryce Young is going to be starting uh, his first game for the Crimson Tide against the Miami Hurricanes. Paul Tyson, the number two quarterback. Jalen Milrow, the number three. Who is going to be the back, the direct backup to Bryce Young? I think some people uh, thought that was a bit of a question. Jalen Milrow. Uh, there's a little bit of buzz about Milrow, frankly, in the spring, but Paul Tyson uh, wins that number two job. For the time being, anyway, you did hear from Nick Saban earlier today when asked about Paul Tyson and the competition there and how Paul had navigated that situation and shown up as the number two guy heading into the Miami game. Quick, uh, Nick was also quick to point out competition ongoing there. So uh, we'll see how it continues to sort of uh, play out as we move into the season and beyond. But credit to Paul Tyson, because you're right. What did we hear so much about coming out of A-Day and spring ball in April that, well, it's just a matter of time till Jalen Milrow ascends to that number two spot. And it still could happen. We've seen guys in the past 
elevate themselves on the depth chart, even in season at the quarterback position. So uh, not out of the realm of possibility that the Texan, the newcomer, Jalen Milrow, may do just that. But again, credit to Paul Tyson. He's continued to improve. He's continued to keep his head down. Probably has that path that Mac Jones followed uh, on his way to the starting position in mind when he considers trusting the process and the development that he needs to continue to undergo. But yeah, that's the lineup right now as they head to Atlanta. Moving along in the offense, Jamison Williams, the transfer from Ohio State, is going to be the starter at the Z receiver spot on the field. Uh, Slade Bolden, of course, your slot guy, John Mechie, going to be lining up in the X. Jamison Williams, a guy that uh, we touched on, I think, in previous podcasts. He's had a big preseason, a big fall camp at Alabama coming from Buckeye land. Nick Saban has uh, mentioned him sometimes without even at, being asked about him uh, as a standout. So uh, certainly he's going to be on the field and uh, will be displaying uh, his skills right out of the gate against the Hurricanes. Tight end, Cameron Latou, your number one. Jaleel Billingsley, not surprisingly, uh, at the back end of the tight end rotation, uh, at least for the time being, as you mentioned, with the quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, Jamison Williams brings that attribute that coming out of spring ball, you really wondered if Alabama had enough of. Other than John Mechie, was there a guy that could really stretch the field and get vertical? And Williams has that ability and by all accounts had a very good month of August and uh, just marched right up that depth chart into that number one spot at the outside position opposite John Mechie. So really impressive to see a guy in a relatively short period of time. And, you know, the offenses kind of translate between Ohio State and Alabama, as I recall. Not all that different in how both those units go about their business. So that had to have been helpful to Jamison Williams. But again, as much as anything, a guy that's going to make opposing defenses respect the intermediate and deep routes, probably more so than the guys that we saw in that position and at some other spots at, on the outside back in spring football. Along the offensive line, things fairly settled, although there appears to be, at least for now, a continuing competition at the center position. Chris Owens and Darian Dalcourt, I believe, were co-number ones at that spot on, on the season opening depth chart. And Dalcourt's a guy uh, that I can remember you mentioning a time or two last spring on the podcast, Travis, and even going back to last fall as, as someone that's uh, got a lot of potential for this team. And uh, obviously he's shown it on the practice field this fall. Yeah. Even when he showed up as a true freshman and he was in a group in that 2019 class that was four and five star studded, um, you could see the potential there needed time physically uh, to develop and, Obviously, playing a position like center at Alabama, a lot of responsibility comes with that. So seems as if the maturity, both physically and maybe uh, mentally and emotionally and in other ways, has gone as they had hoped. And you're right. It's a position, really, that if I told you before the start of fall camp, there's going to be a spot on this offensive line where there's intrigue, even going into the matchup with Miami on September the 4th, we would have said what? Right tackle, right? Right. We wouldn't have said center because Chris Owens, a six-year senior, is there. Um, but that's what we've got. I mean, pregame warm-ups on Saturday, 
you're going to have a lot of attention on who's snapping the football to Bryce Young in warmups. Going to be fun to watch on the defensive side of the ball as well. Uh, the linebackers obviously set that linebacker group is, is the best unit, the best defensive unit in this starting defense might be the best unit on the football team period, uh, with of course, uh, Christopher Allen, Will Anderson on the outside, Henry Toa Toa and Christian Harris on the inside, that group potentially Travis could be one of the better overall lining linebacking groups that Nick Saban's had at Alabama, uh, up front. I think things were pretty much as expected on the depth chart as well. Uh, in the secondary, uh, Jalen armor Davis beats out Kool-Aid McKinstry. There was some chatter about what would happen at that spot, certainly. And, and, uh, Brian branch, interestingly enough, named a, a co-starter, at two different spots back there, free safety and the star position. Uh, you know, Nick Saban loves versatility in the secondary, and and Branch is one of uh, multiple guys back there that give him that. The old Swiss Army knife analogy when you talk about Brian Branch and even Malachi Moore, but Branch has literally worked at every spot in the secondary since arriving on campus a year ago, whether it's corner, whether it's safety, whether it's money in the dime. The star position, he's done some good stuff there as well. So a lot of value in Brian Branch, especially with DeMarco Ellums still dealing with that ankle injury. So the expectation right now, I would think, points toward Brian Branch being the guy opposite Jordan Battle when the game gets going on Saturday afternoon at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Up front, you know, some of the lumps that you took a couple of years ago when you played so many of those guys as true freshmen and you were sort of forced into that, you're reaping the benefits of that now because you've got five, six, seven guys that you feel like you can roll in from end to end and got a pretty promising update on LeBron Ray on Wednesday, Chase. Nick Saban said he expects LeBron Ray to be available for Saturday's matchup with Miami. So just mix in a fifth-year senior that, Unfortunately, he has dealt with injury after injury, but when he's been available and healthy, he's been very effective in his own right. And the linebacker level I'm interested in, I know you probably are too, because when they go situational and nickel and dime packages, how does that shake out between inside and outside positions, especially when they go dime? Because as we talked about it, Henry Toa Toa is your Mike starter in the nickel and base. He's probably going to be the guy at the Mac, the middle linebacker position in the dime, do you run him and Christian Harris together? Now, typically what we see is a four-man front with a couple of outside linebackers, a couple of DLs, and a single inside linebacker. Now, there have been instances in the past where two inside linebackers have stayed on the field, and perhaps that'll be the case with Christian because you can do different things with him on third and long. Interesting, too, I think the way that – dime defense has evolved a little bit over the years if you go back to Nick Saban's first year at Alabama for instance in 2007 when he would go dime the guy coming off the field for that fifth defensive back was always the Sam it was Zeke Knight in 2007 uh, who, who would come off the field and in the dime uh, or excuse me in, in the nickel uh, right. in this in this day and age 
you see both outside linebackers stay out there sometimes in the nickel, and maybe it's a bigger interior guy who's coming off because they like that athleticism on both edges. They do, and if your Sam can rush the passer, which Christopher Allen can obviously do that, and we've seen it in previous years, 2016, you had two outside backers and Ryan Anderson and Tim Williams. You were going to leave them out there in pass rush situations. So it's team to team, personnel based, what you got at those outside linebacker positions. So uh, Alabama obviously feels great about Will Anderson and Christopher Allen, who wouldn't. So the expectation will be on Saturday to see those guys out there uh, pretty much on a down-by-down basis. I guess if Alabama plays some base on Saturday, if Miami goes to a couple of tight couple of tight ends in stretches, that'll be Will Anderson out there at the jack. But uh, with you said it, as the game is being played today, uh, you're, you're running two line, two outside linebackers out there together more often than not. No surprise in the special teams area. Will Reichert obviously back again after a perfect season on field goals. Phenomenal year for him last year. Uh, he returns for the Crimson Tide at the place kicker position. James Burnup, the Australian, is going to be your punter. Uh, your return guys, Travis, kickoff return, uh, Jamison Williams, uh, Trey Sanders, Jace McClellan, S- Slade Bolden. That That's the, the group you'll see there. I, I think it'll be uh, Williams and, and Sanders. Uh, on the uh, front end at any at any rate. And uh, punt return, JoJo Earl, a guy that we have not talked about, but a guy who's probably going to factor in certainly maybe as that fourth receiver or a guy who comes in and, and plays in certain situations offensively. And as well, it, it, it looks like he's going to be running some, some punts back too. Yeah, the lone true freshman on Monday to show up on the top line uh, of the depth chart and he did it as you said at two different spots that h receiver spot which is an inside receiver to go along with slade bolden bracketed with slade there and then also on punt returns once again with slade bolden so the expectation very much that we're going to see jojo earl in some meaningful reps on saturday against miami and uh, the likelihood seems to point towards seeing him in those spots at a couple of different areas of the football team. Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Moving along, we're going to thank uh, a couple of sponsors here. Then we're going to move on and take a look at this upcoming game against the Miami Hurricanes. Going to start by telling you about North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley, uh, conveniently located. Uh, right off of McFarland Boulevard, you make that right turn as you head toward Northport onto Watermelon Road. He's there in Fairfax Park, the address 1100 Fairfax Park, right next to West Alabama Pediatrics. And Dr. Jack does a fantastic job, has a super staff of dental hygienists. They'll get you in and out of there super quick on a routine cleaning, and they can take on any kind of dental work you or your family might need. They take care of me and my family's teeth. I know when Travis uh, was a Tuscaloosa resident, a longtime Tuscaloosa resident, took care of his family as well. Uh, Pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, the teeth whitening services, which are extremely popular now. Uh, They do it all over at North River Dental Associates. The phone number, 752-3506. Check them out. It's North River Dental Associates. Yeah, we like to talk choppers and chocolate here on the Talking Tide podcast. And definitely want to talk about Peter Brook Chocolatier today because today, September the 1st, 
marks 14 years in business in Tuscaloosa for mm. Peterbrook Chocolatier. 14 years, Heather Ryer and her staff have been outstanding for nearly a decade and a half now. Can't thank the people at Tuscaloosa enough. They have embraced Peterbrook Chocolatier from the start going back to 2007. And I know it's been a real pleasure for Heather and her folks um, to, to be a staple now of the Tuscaloosa community. And so Peterbrook Chocolatier, and we've called them the champions of chocolate in the past. Again, Alabama football, since Peterbrook Chocolatier opened its doors, has won six football national championships. I mean, the proof's in the pudding, or in the chocolate, I guess you could say, in this particular instance. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. All right, Alabama-Miami getting set to kick off Saturday. Your uh, reset there, it'll be a 3.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. That'll be local time for the game over at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Uh, your TV network, it'll broadcast on ABC. And, uh, Travis, the record for Miami last year, 8-3. and three. Uh, Their 2021 preseason ranking, they come in 12th in the nation. So another ranked team to kick things off. Might be the last neutral site opener we see for Alabama for quite a long time. I'm not sure there's a neutral site opener on uh, any or at least many of the future schedules for Alabama. It looks like they're heading back to that that home-and-home style of uh, scheduling. Uh, But they're going to be kicking another one off uh, over in Atlanta and uh, Derek King, the outstanding quarterback for Miami, who, of course, began his career at the University of Houston, transferred to Miami last year, had a very successful season for the Hurricanes in 2020. Uh, he is going to be a, a big focus uh, for the Alabama defense in this one. No doubt about it. And the question with Derek King, we've already talked about it here and other places. The the availability, the full availability of De'Eric King in terms of legs and his ability to throw the football coming off that ACL injury in the Hurricanes bowl game loss to Oklahoma State last December. Everything you hear coming out of Coral Gables has been very positive, pretty amazing return given the time frame, understanding medicine and advancements made in rehab are pretty much off the charts. Uh, still want to see it for myself, uh, early in the game, Chase, how much does UM offensive coordinator Rhett Lashley dial up Derek King in the run game specifically? And then when the pass rush comes, uh, what's the mobility like? So, you know, that's a big part of this storyline for me. It's the top storyline in terms of the determining factors for the outcome of this game. If De'Eric King is the De'Eric King of old, uh, Miami has a chance to hang around in this thing. If he's one-dimensional in terms of what he's able to do, I think it becomes very tough for the Hurricanes. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how uh, Nick Saban and the defensive staff decide to attack him in terms of a pass rush. Do you come at him? Do you sit back? I'm not sure you blitz him early. Maybe you blitz him late. I'm, I, I think – I think you kind of play a more honest defense early if you're Alabama and just kind of see where he's at, like you said. Uh, Maybe maybe try to keep him in the pocket a little bit. I know in some games against mobile quarterbacks, Nick Saban tends to stress that 
he likes those defensive linemen to rush with discipline, right? Stay within a rush lane and uh, don't go flying out of control just trying to get to a spot necessarily because if you do that, then uh, you can open up something for the quarterback to take off. And when that, hap- when that happens, sometimes you see big chunks of yards, especially if you're in man defense and the DBs have got their backs turned. Uh, you, a guy like Derek King can – uh, eat up big chunks of yards and and flip the field pretty quickly. Yeah, I don't think you blitz him because if Will Anderson and Christopher Allen are what we think they are and you continue to have some improvement with your interior pass rush, four guys ought to be able to affect him from the Alabama perspective. So I'm not thinking so much in terms of numbers that you throw at Derek King in the pass rush, but you alluded to it there the approach to the pass rush in general, the mush rush, as we've heard it called in the past when dealing with the likes of Johnny Manziel and uh, Deshaun Watson and some of these guys, that's what I'm going to be interested in. Is it more of a conservative approach even with your four-man rush, or do you tell Will Anderson, Christopher Allen, those guys on third and long, look, let's see if this guy can uh, avoid the rush. Let's see if he can extend plays coming off the ACL injury and maybe go after him a little bit more in terms of just your approach with the four-man rush. From an injury standpoint, Alabama got through the preseason pretty darn healthy. Travis, a couple of quick updates for you. DeMarco Hellams questionable for this game. So uh, I guess that means the aforementioned Brian Branch potentially could be starting. Uh, However, the positive news, Kendall Randolph, the right tackle, looks like he's good to go. Yeah, it sounds like Kendall's going to be able to make the start at right tackle. And, you know, that was an interesting aspect of Depth Chart Monday. It was Kendall Randolph clearly at the top at right tackle. And then you had J.C. Latham bracketed uh, in that second spot with Damian George, a second-year player. So you got nice depth at the offensive tackle positions. But other than Evan Neal, obviously – not much in the way of proven performers. So I think you're tending to lean more on the experience of Kendall Randolph. Uh, he's played a lot of football. It just hasn't been at right tackle, but uh, certainly at tight end the last couple of years, he's been a big part of what they do. And so uh, you're happy for Kendall Randolph too, because this is a guy who's hung around five years now and uh, he's getting his opportunity, it looks like. Quick look for you at some of the key players on that Miami offense around Derek King. Among them, Charleston Rambo, the wide receiver. Mike Harley, another target for him. Cameron Harris looks like he'll be the starting running back for the Hurricanes. He had 10 touchdowns on the ground for Miami last season. Averaged roughly five yards a carry, so he's definitely a talent. And they're big up front, Travis. Zion Nelson, probably their best offensive lineman at a left tackle spot. Uh, He's a good 315 pounds, and they got some hosses inside. Uh, Right guard by the name of Navon Donaldson. Travis goes 6'6", 350. Uh, So (laughs) people talk about Alabama's line being big. This one's pretty big, too. Yeah, this is a Miami offense in general that has some moss on it, for lack of a better way of putting it. In other words, it's an experienced group. Um, you got DJ uh, Scaife at one of the guard positions who might actually end up starting at right tackle in this game Saturday, who's made 31 straight starts. Um, you mentioned Nelson at left tackle. That's going to be something to keep an eye on from the outset of the game because 
he's been sidelined for an extended stretch in the preseason by an undisclosed injury based on reports coming out of the Miami camp. And so it could be that Jared Williams, who was the starter at right tackle a year ago, needs to go over to the left side. Nelson is clearly Miami's top overall tackle. So if he's either limited or can't go altogether, that's when your concern from the Miami perspective really ramps up because now you're talking about trying to protect against Will Anderson and Christopher Allen, and you don't have your best tackle on the field potentially. Yeah, Nelson uh, listed starting left tackle on that Miami depth chart that also came out Monday. However, that's uh, if he's not ready to go or like you say, maybe could play but could be limited. It's not the kind of thing you reveal on uh, Monday in black and white if you're Miami. No, Manny Diaz will let you know after the game, Saturday, how that all worked out. But, you know, Williams is a seventh-year senior, Chase. I mean, this is a guy who signed with Houston – Back in 2015, here he is still playing college football. A couple of red shirts, stretching one medically, it out. Yeah. and then the COVID year. So we talk about super seniors. Um, this guy's literally getting senior discounts. He's an ultra senior. Or yeah. restaurants around the, the Miami area. You got to have two degrees if you're seven years in, don't you? Don't you got to pick up two? If, if you I think you got to have years? a PhD at that point. <laughs> you know, he, this guy basically got med school paid for if that's what he wanted to do. I mean, football. especially considering the way in this day and age, college players are all taking a lot of those summer hours because the coaches yeah. like them around in the summer. You take you take uh, fourteen semesters plus seven summers yeah yeah you you could even i could get two i think (laughs) in that period of time all right uh quickly looking at the alabama offense against the miami defense before we get out of here travis the hurricanes quite a bit of turnover in the front seven particularly up front they had a couple of phenomenal pass rushers last year in greg rousseau and jalen phillips they've gone on to the national football league now so uh, some younger players going to be stepping up as pass rushers for Miami this coming season. More experience, certainly, in the secondary. Uh, the defensive backfield is probably the strength of this uh, Miami defense. Uh, Buda Bolden at safety, definitely one of their top players. Uh, and they've got a transfer from the University of Georgia at cornerback by the name of Tyreek Stevenson. Uh, I don't know if he's a, a – full-time starter at least to begin the season but I would expect to see some of them at least he's going to be in that mix with their top three corners by all accounts and what he was as much as anything at Georgia last year was a star defender he was a slot corner you saw him in Tuscaloosa and Alabama's win over the Georgia Bulldogs gave up a touchdown reception to Devontae Smith who Alabama got matched up in the slot on Stevenson and Devonte runs the out and up, kind of like a wheel route from the sl- uh, from the slot, and Mac Jones hits him for a touchdown. So uh, Tyreek Stevenson has experience against Alabama. I, I think his hopes in going to Miami were that he would be able to be more of a true outside corner rather than sort of pigeonholed there at the star position. So we'll see how they line up. Um, you know, on Saturday afternoon, but experience in that back end. Al Blades Jr. is a really quality player. Unfortunately for him, he had 
a case of myocarditis late last season that sidelined him, then a stress fracture in the offseason. So he's a little bit down the depth chart right now, but Bubba Bolden, you mentioned at the safety position, a really solid player. So they have guys that have played a lot of football, and they also have a couple of promising freshmen, especially at safety, that you might see on the field Saturday. Offensively for Alabama, Travis, in terms of approach, uh, a lot of talk in the offseason that I'm not sure I buy into that that Alabama will turn more to the rushing attack, at least early in the season, to take some pressure off of Bryce Young. That makes some conventional sense, I know. Uh, but we've said that before, uh, I, and at times Alabama just comes right out of the gate slinging it around. So, I mean, we, it, they didn't really do that with Blake Sims as an example. Uh, and, and there have been some others. So uh, what do you expect here? A, a healthy dose of, of Brian Robinson all night, if they can get four or five a pop for him, or do you think Bryce Young is is throwing it around early? Well, obviously, if you could line up and run it every down and a defense can't get you out of that, that's what you're going to do. But I don't think that's realistic. So, no, I the, the training wheels sort of narrative that's been out there in some corners with Bryce Young now, this guy was the number one quarterback prospect in America two recruiting classes ago. So, look, this isn't Cooper Bateman you're running out there. All due respect to Coop, but you feel like if the guys around Bryce Young are at a level where they can you know, make plays, and Jamison Williams, the addition of him, should help in that regard, you're not going to ask John Mechie to stock, stock block you know, for four quarters, not in today's game. So, you know, I think balance is always is something you'd love to achieve. But do I see Bryce Young coming out of this game having thrown somewhere around 20 passes or right around that mark? No, I think he's going to be above that by a considerable margin. And how I about think, an over under on pass attempts? Yeah, Bryce Young? I, I, I'll go. I'll go 28 and a half on that. What do you think? That's what would you What would you put it at? I, I think you're right there. I, I think you're 30-ish. right there. Yeah. I, I If it's a closer game, believe it or not, if it's, you know, you might say if it's a closer game, Alabama might be more conservative and run it more, but I see it the other way around. If Alabama routes Miami, then I think you see fewer throws because Nick Saban's going to want to get out of there and run clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it's a tight game, you know, maybe, maybe he's deep into the thirties. Uh, but if it's uh, if, if Alabama has this game in hand by halftime, then yeah, maybe a little, maybe under twenty eight and a half. But I think you're right there with it. Yeah, that, that's kind of the way I see it. And again, I go into this game not with John Mechie in mind, but more so the other wide receivers and how well they show up in terms of readiness and impact from game one uh, of this season and and not just those guys tied in with the sort of tumultuous August that Jalil Billingsley has had the running back position with what you're losing in Najee Harris as a receiver and as a pass protector. So, you know, there are plenty other facets in this passing attack that you need to be taking into consideration as well. And, you know, I don't think Bryce is as big a concern as maybe some other folks think. Yeah. 
That is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. I want to thank our listeners for joining us once again. Travis and I will be back with you uh, this weekend, Sunday night, as a matter of fact, to recap the Alabama-Miami game over in Atlanta. So until then, for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com. We'll talk to you next time on Talking Tide.